to seek the Lord on, on what he might have you do by way of um, going somewhere else and, and being able to share the gospel. I'm going to be putting a missions trip together to Trinidad after being down there. Um, you know, I kind of wrestled with and fought pretty hard going. Um, the invitation that I got to go, um, you know, especially when it's an all expenses paid, it really was no cost to me. They wanted me to go so that I could speak in their school of global leadership and, and go and visit the missions works over there, uh, but also for Open Bible to set at a round table and talk about the future of Open Bible's missions and that the feeling that Trinidad is a very important place for us uh, for the development of missions simply because it's a, uh, a crossroads of culture that you have uh, Islam is everywhere, uh, Hinduism is everywhere, Rastafarian worship is everywhere. I've never seen so many idols in my life, to be honest with you. It's quite shocking. Now, I've been to India, and, and yeah, I get that, but I'm talking about just all different kinds. All different kinds of religions are there. And so culturally, it's kind of, and the funny thing is, is they all get along. It's, it, they kind of have this tolerance for each other. They allow each other to do what they're going to do, but yet the gospel is being preached there. The largest open Bible church in the world is based in Trinidad. I got to meet the pastor and, and have lunch with him and his wife at their house, and um, that was quite an experience, I have to say. Um, but what it comes down to is just seeing all of that, seeing the demonic powers at work, but yet seeing the power of God at work all the more. You know, I was talking with somebody at the back, uh, um, and we were talking about the fact that in America, if somebody has a condition or, uh, you know, mental sickness or, or whatever it may be it's it's basically a chemical imbalance and everything has a pill to kind of thwart that you know well you need this pill you know y'all know me for the most part that i'm not anti-doctors i'm not anti-medication but i do know this that we have to give god a place to work in our lives if we don't give him a place to work in our lives then guess what we are the ones that hold him at bay one time i shared a message about stiff arming god that it's like if you've watched football you ever seen somebody stiff arm, you know, as they're running in for a touchdown and somebody's trying to tackle them and they stiff arm them, right, push them away? That if, if we look to everything else as our solution before going to God, really in a sense we stiff arm God, you know, and say, I'll do this in my own strength. And the reality is our strength, man's strength, will always fall short. And being over there, uh, kind of set some things right in my perspective. That we don't deal with idol worship here like they deal with idol worship there. Because we don't consider I our idols idols. They're just things in our life. Do you know what an idol is? Somebody tell me what an idol is. Anything we put before God is an idol. Let, let that settle in because in reality, I think if, if members of the church, if believers were putting God first, the impact would be far greater than what it is. See, when they're witnessing, they're turning a Hindu from his dead idols to God. When they witness, they're turning people from Islam to God. For us, most of the influence that we have here 
when we don't consider those things as idols, things we put before God. Well, I mean, we didn't get to be a post-Christian society without idolatry, did we? We just kind of ended up there and there was no idolatry at work at all. No, idolatry is what has been at work. We, we place something ahead of God and then all of a sudden we end up in God's kind of second and third and fourth and fifth and sixth and seventh. Let me give you a perfect example of that. Um, do you think when Jesus said you can't serve God and mammon that he was saying that money would be your God if, or God will be your God? How do we know that? Because Jesus says, you'll love the one and hate the other. <laughs> you mean I can have affection for money? Yeah, the love of money is the root of all evil. Money's not the root of all evil. The love of it is the root of all evil. Why is that? Because there's nothing in this life that you can put your trust in. More, why? Because you can pay your bills, you can have food. You ha you're supplied for, right? See, pastor starts talking about money and it's just, you know... Can you go get me a pen? I just want to drop it and let everybody hear it, you know. Because I'd say that's the number one idol in America. The number one idol in America. See, it was funny being over there. Um, you know when you go to your fast food restaurant and you don't get what you ordered and you go back in and say, this is not what I ordered, and they give you what you ordered? Over there, they're like, it's the way it is. I'm like, what? It's the way it is. Go, go. I'm like, did I just pay for that? Because I think I just paid for that. And I, and look at, I look at our guides, right? Because <laughs> they live there. I'm like, and they're like, just, just go. I'm like, guess I'm eating something I didn't order. <laughs> you know? It's, it's a, a culture that's not like our culture. And so it really, man, it just shifts your mindset and gets you to recognize that, wow, Here's their idols. Here's our idols. And, you know, I say we need to be like Gideon. We need to be the kind of people that go in and begin to tear down those idols because the only hope we have of being one with God is to put God first. If we think we can approach him and say, look, God, here's the deal. This is the way our relationship's going to be. And if you don't like it, <laughs> will that work with him? Why won't that work with him? He has to be first. Let me tell you why it won't work with God. He's immutable. That word immutable means that he cannot move. It's the thing that makes him trustworthy because you can go to him right now and 10 years from now when you approach God, he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's not going to change. I am the Lord, he says, I do not change. However, behold, I do a new thing. God doesn't change, but he does new things in our life. And I say that God does new things in our life when we're yielded to him and lift him to the right place in our life. God is waiting at all times to work on our behalf. He gave his son to die on the cross so that we could be the beneficiaries. We are the ones with the inheritance because of what Jesus did. And, and I say that it's only through Jesus that we can access all the benefits of God. Now, having said that, I want to read our, our scripture for this series, which is in John. Oops, let me pull this up here. <clears throat> 17, John, it's up there, okay. John 17, 20 through 23. I do not pray for these alone, 
but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they all may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me and that the glory which you gave me, I have given them. Who's given it to us? Who's given it to us? Jesus gave us the same glory that the Father has given him. The key for us to be one with God is to be one with Christ, to understand all that he's done for us, accept his instructions and, and live by his commandments. And by fulfilling that, what happens is, is we're following him. And where's Jesus leading to? Jesus leads us to the Father. He's always going to lead us to the Father. He said this, I did not come to speak of myself, but I came to speak of who? The Father. The Holy Spirit has been sent, and he doesn't speak of himself, but who does he speak of? Jesus. See, so here's the Godhead at work. God is one God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, but the Godhead is at work. The Bible says that the fullness of the Godhead dwelt bodily in Jesus. In other words, Jesus here on earth was all God at work. God was on a rescue mission, and he came to rescue us from our trespasses and sins and how did god decide to do that before the foundations of the earth that the lamb of god would be slain that basically god would take on human form and 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 take on himself all the sins of mankind so that we could inherit all the blessings of god let me sh let me show you another passage here that speaks to that did i finish this one by the way no i didn't let me finish that one and i'll read the next one <clears throat> that they may be one just as we are one in them i in them and you in me that they may be made perfect in one and that the world may know that you have sent me and that i have loved them as you have loved me so all that jesus is and all that he possessed for us has been given to us now watch what psalms 103 and 2 says it says bless the lord O my soul and forget not all his benefits God challenges us not to forget his benefits. Now, here's the thing. Y'all ever heard of a pendulum? What does the pendulum do? The pendulum swings, right? It's over here, it's over here, it's over here, it's over here. Anybody ever seen a preacher on TV? If you send this money, I'll tell you what God's going to do. You know what? If you don't have it, put it on your credit card and God will pay your whole credit card off. Anybody ever seen that? What'd you do when that happened? Huh? So I don't have any money, but you want me to borrow money to give you money, and God's going to pay that off. I would say the credit card company gets blessed because it was their money, not my money. Right? Isn't the borrower slave to the lender? <laughs> not a scripture? See, the importance of balanced scripture is that when the pendulum swings over here, we're like, that doesn't look right. And then it swings over here. Look, I grew up in church where it's like, you just need to suffer for Jesus. God put that sickness on you. You show me a scripture that says God puts sickness on us. The enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy. Jesus said, I have come that you might have life, and life more abundantly. All those who follow Christ will... Suffer what? Tribulation. 
You suffer troubles. There's, there's difficulties that you face in life. But is God putting that on you? Or is it the, the nature of the fall of mankind and Adam's sin from the garden, this earth has been subjected to futility? Last time I checked, when I look in the mirror, it's like, oh my gosh, look at the, what's happened? I'm like rotting on my bones. I'm getting old. Look at these. All right, look, watch. Can you count them? <laughs> Can you count the wrinkles? I don't know what it is. What's, what's going on with this? Now, I'm going to do this and make a fool of myself, but I just want to show you that where everything used to be nice and, and, you know, my cells were reproducing and everything's nice and young. Look at these hoodies, man. Look at all that. Where's that coming from? It's just like sagging down. You know what I'm saying? Huh? Is it, is it still going on? Let me, let me try and get those back in there. What am I saying? I'm saying that, look, this physical life is not going to continue forever. But when this is laid off, when, when this life in this mortal flesh ends, my death, the death that I die in this body, is swallowed up by life. It's a greater life than I have ever known or ever will know in this earth. Why? Because this is gone. Do you know the whole earth will be renovated with fire? Al Gore's right. Global warming is definitely going to happen. Some of you just now getting it, right? It's like, oh, yeah. Go read the book of Revelation. Just as the earth was baptized in water, it will be baptized in fire. Just as we're baptized in our new life, right? And we're baptized with the Holy Ghost in fire. Where did we come from? From earth we came into. So earth has been baptized in water in the days of Noah. And in the final days, it will be baptized in fire and purified. God is a God who knows how to purify. We sing songs and it's so weird for people who've never been to church. Fire, fall down, your fire. They're sitting there like, what in the world are they talking about? Man? Why are they asking for fire to fall down? They, they don't get that, right? We get it because, you know, we've heard scripture that speaks of, of our God as an all-consuming fire. Now, I don't know about you, but before you knew Christ, if somebody was talking about fire falling down, are you thinking, man, why are they, are we wanting to, you know, spontaneously combust into flames? I don't understand what's going on is that there's something that happens when God's presence comes and there's the impurities of our life. God, all of a sudden, there's a conviction and a, a, a draw to holiness and to be like him. And it's not a, a physical fire, but there's something that burns on the inside of us and makes us want to be like him. Can you say amen, saints? Forget not the Lord and all his benefits. But those benefits come when we follow him. And I say to follow him, we have to understand him. See, the New Testament says that, um, that Jesus has been given a name that is above every other name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and tongue confess that he is Lord. So we know that Jesus' name is the one, we look to him. But to understand all that we have in Jesus, we go back to the Old Testament 
to gain greater understanding of what all comes. What's all the benefits of the Lord? Is he our Lord? Yes. And so what's all the benefits of the Lord? Well, to gain understanding about that, we go back and we look at the names of God. Deuteronomy 6.4.4 says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. So, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, they're three. But those three are one God. Uh, uh, sometimes illustrating that, it's like, how many of you ever fried an egg? You crack the egg open, what comes out? A yolk and a white. There's three parts to an egg, but when you see the egg in the refrigerator, you say, look at the three eggs. It's an egg, but it's got three parts. God is one God, but there's three, uh, three um, if you will, manifestations out of his one being, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. It's important for us to understand that because he created us in his image. And we are spirit, soul, and body. You see my physical man setting up here, or standing up here, but you hear me talking. What is it that is engaging when I'm talking? Do, do you recognize that out of my mind there are thoughts being shared? Can you feel me? Y'all look at me nervous or something. Can you feel me? Can you feel what I'm saying? You know why you can feel it? Because my heart is engaged. My emotion? Do you sense emotion? Sure you do. See, you're getting all of me in the midst of my communication. When we interact with one another, what happens is it's not just a physical person we interact with. We interact with that whole person. God wants the same thing from us. So we're going to take a deeper look at what it is that we gain. What's all the benefits of the Lord in Jesus that we receive? <clears throat> and so the names of God gives, gives us a good understanding. Elohim, Genesis 1-1 and Psalms 19-1, meaning God, a reference to God's power and might. There's none more powerful than God. Genesis uh, one one says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now think about that, that the earth was without form and void, and all of a sudden God speaks, and it just is. Is there anything more powerful than that? Nothing comes close to a God speaks, and it is. I got the opportunity one time. Uh, I was in a Reinhardt Bunky um, uh, crusade. Thank you. One of those older words we don't use a lot anymore. But it was a Reinhardt Bunky. Anybody ever heard of Reinhardt Bunky? Uh, over in Africa? He had a prayer warrior who would go in with a prayer team and they would pray for weeks before Reinhardt would show up and do the crusade. And they would pray and pray and pray and pray and pray. And then they'd come in and do the meetings. And I happened to be in a meeting one time uh, in, in South Africa when Reinhardt Bunky was there and attended one of his meetings. And I'm going to tell you right now, when, when a guy walks up and he's got an arm that is not normal, it's, it's all shriveled up and it's short. And, and Reinhardt, you know, takes, takes a hold of him and commands that arm to be restored. And you see something like this happen, normal. 
I didn't know what's, I mean, I was just dumbfounded. Just dumbfounded. What do you say about that? <laughs> Praise God. Yeah, I'm just telling you, when you're there, it's like, like what? Yeah. yeah, praise God, but when you see something like that happen, I'm sorry, you know what that taps into? Elohim. That taps into the benefit of recognizing that Jesus is Elohim. He is all-powerful. And when he says that at the name of Jesus, that we can uh, pray for the sick and that they will be made whole, Elohim, the power of God that none other can match. <clears throat> the next one, Adonai, Malachi 1.6, meaning Lord, a reference to the Lordship of God. Here, here's what Malachi 1.6 says. It says, a son honors his father and a servant his master. If then I am the father, where is my honor? And if I am master, where is my reverence, says the Lord of hosts, to you priests, who despise my name. Yet you say, in what way have we despised your name? Look, if God's not first, where's he at on the list of our honor that's due his name? Anything that we get in front of God, all of a sudden we are not recognizing the benefit that we have as him being Lord. Why? Here, here's the benefit. Um, I have this thing when I walk in the home sometimes. Some of you men may do this. Anybody ever seen Back to the Future? I think it was Back to the Future Part 2. Um, Michael J. Fox comes home in the future, and it says, uh, the computer says, um, you know, Daddy's home, the Lord of the Manor, the King of the Castle, dot, 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 right? So I have this thing when I walk into the house, I come home from work or whatever, and everybody's there. I find out now college, everything else going on, I come home by myself. Lord of the manor, king of the castle, daddy's home, right? And the dogs come running. <laughs> it's like, great, that's what I'm, yeah. But my family have heard me say that. And here's the thing. In my household, I am the person that gets to give an account to God for my whole family. Decisions made or not made alone, Angie and I talk through them, the kids and I talk through them, but ultimately sometimes it's just like, you know, Here's the direction we're going as a family. I'm going to be a good father, a good husband, and I'm going to be a good covering to my family. Here's what you get with the lordship of God. When you come under his lordship, he covers you. He covers you. Now, what do you think would happen if somebody came into my house to harm my family? Now that I'm working out, <laughs> I might have run before now. What do you think would happen if somebody entered my home to harm my family? Somebody. Well, I'm a pastor, so I'd be like, let me pray for you. Right? Oh, I'd be praying for him. I'd be laying hands on him, too. You understand? You, it's it's kind of like this. You done messed with the wrong house. <laughs> I'm going to escort you back out. And if you don't go willingly, I'll escort you out with my 40. You understand? And that's not a 40 ounce either. <laughs> Point being is, is I'm going to protect my family. Now, what do you think God did in sending his son to die on our behalf? Here's why Jesus deserves 
to be honored as our Lord and for us to get under him. He exhibited the greatest protection that could ever be offered to us. He gave his life. He got right in the way. Let's put it this way. He got in harm's way so that we can be protected. And the greatest thing we could do to receive that benefit is honor him as our Lord. Amen? Adonai. So the next one is Jehovah Yahweh. I think you got your hand out, so it's up there so you can fill those in and take that home with you. Jehovah Yahweh, Genesis 2-4, a reference to God's divine salvation. This is the history. So Genesis 2-4 says, this is the history of the heavens and the earth when they were created. In the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. Here's the deal. Before, say before, the foundations of the earth, the lamb was slain. Before any of this was ever established, God knew by giving man free will that man could rebel. Should that happen, who will go? That's why Isaiah, when we hear, uh, you know, Isaiah has a vision of God and he sees the Lord high and lifted up and the train of his robe filled the temple. So the glory of the Lord. Uh, Woe is me, Isaiah says, for my eyes have seen the glory of the Lord. Now, in all of that, here's what's going on there. All of a sudden, God says, who will go for us? Whom shall we send and who will go for us? And Isaiah says, here I am, Lord, send me. Now, if you didn't know it, that's another type and shadow of the Christ. That's exactly what Jesus said. Here I am, send me. And God sent his son into the earth to redeem mankind. So Jehovah Yahweh, he is the God of our salvation. Jehovah uh, Makadeshim, Makadeshim, and that is, yeah, uh, Exodus 31 and 13, meaning the Lord, that, uh, thy sanctifier. It says uh, in Exodus 31, 13, speak also to the children of Israel, saying, surely my Sabbaths you shall keep, for it is a sign between you and me, or between me and you, throughout your generations, that you may know that I am the Lord who sanctifies you. Do you purify yourself? You can't. Jesus is the one that purifies you. Getting under his lordship, bringing yourself to that place of acknowledging his work, brings upon his righteousness. That's why the Bible says we are the righteousness of God in Christ. Emphasis, right? We are the righteousness. No, not emphasis. We're the righteousness of God. But it's in Christ. The emphasis is in Christ when we are in Christ his righteousness is bestowed upon us why all our works the Bible says is like what filthy rags they don't they don't measure up doesn't mean that we don't put effort in it doesn't mean we don't discipline ourselves but here's the reality without Jesus there's no hope of ever having righteousness he is the one that sanctifies us uh, Jehovah Rohi Jehovah Rohi, Psalms 23 and 1, meaning the Lord, my shepherd. Rohi is shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Now, here's what's interesting about that. When you think, forget not the Lord and all his benefits. To be one with God, right, is to, to benefit from all that God is. When we see him as our shepherd, when we begin to recognize Jesus is the good shepherd, isn't that what the Bible says? And we see him as our shepherd, we follow the shepherd. 
Where's the shepherd going? I'm just going to follow where the shepherd's going. Now, what that takes is admitting you're a sheep. So we're going to admit that we're sheep. And here's how we're going to do that. You ready? Everybody go, bah. <laughs> I know it's silly, but you'll never forget it. I promise you, when you leave here today, if you participate, and I know some of you didn't do it like, dude, I am not doing that. <laughs> but you ready? He's our shepherd, so, bah. <laughs> Who did that one? Yeah, it had to be my son, didn't it? You know what they call you? That's a stray sheep. <laughs> now, here's the problem with being sheep. Who's ever been on a farm? Who's worked with sheep? Hand high if you've worked with sheep. Oh, dear Jesus. Who's worked with pigs? I got to work with pigs and sheep. Do you know pigs are actually, uh, well, here's the deal. Pigs, if you remember, swine, eating pork, all of that was considered impure. Sheep are considered the pure animals, and pigs are the unpure. So pigs are more the worldly, and sheep are the kingdom of heaven, okay? Or, or if you will, pigs are kind of that demonic, if you will. That's where the demons wanted to go. They wanted to go into the, 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 the swine, and then, of course, they ran off when he cast all the demons out of the Gadarean demoniac. So, so here's the funny thing, though. I got to work with pigs and sheep. Pigs are stinking smart. They are the smartest domestic animal. They're the smartest livestock there is. And it's crazy to me. I, I had a pig, Charlotte. You all laugh. I did. I had a pet pig. And uh, I called it Charlotte because it couldn't be Wilbur because it was a female. You all know Charlotte's Web, right? But it was, an, it was a runt, and the mom had killed off the whole litter. Now, you know, if you don't understand it, it's like sometimes mama sows is what they call them. They go crazy, and they start eating their pig. You're in there like smacking them. What are you doing? Get off that pig, right? And she ate her whole litter, and only the runt was left over. And my uncle, I was helping him on his farm with his pigs, and, and so he goes in the, the other room, grabs this club he's got uh, in, a, in a side room area, he comes in, he grabs that pig by the back legs, and he goes, I'm like, what are you doing? He's, he's got this club in his hand, he's got the pig in his hand. I'm like, what are you doing? He goes, i got to kill it. I'm like, what do you mean you got to kill it? He goes, i got to kill it. I said, no, you can't kill that little pig. He goes, Derek, it is never going to survive. The mom has already eaten all these. I'm just done. I'm going to turn her back out, and, you know, this one runt is not worth keeping her in here. I said, no, give it to me. And he said, Derek, you can't, this, it's, a, it's a baby pig, you can't take care of this pig. I said, I want the pig. What's the difference? You give me the pig and it dies or you smack it in the head with a club. You mean brute you, you know? And so he gives me the pig. I take the pig home. My mom's like, what are you doing with that thing? I'm like, it's my pig. And of course, you know, my stepdad's like, you know, no, you're not going to have that thing here. It's going to take too much work, you know. I said, I don't care. I'll do the work. Nobody else has to do the work. I'll do the work. So what do I do? I got a baby bottle feeding my little pig. And I raised that little pig up. Y'all have never heard this story, have you? <laughs> it sucks to admit it. <laughs> Nursing that little piggy. Charlotte, my baby. You know. That stinking pig was so smart. Here's the deal. I'd put her in her pen, and I would latch the latch. And the next thing you know... 
I come home from school. Charlotte is laying on the porch waiting for me to get off the bus. I'm like, how in the world is that pig getting out of there? Like, Mom, did you let the pig out? No, I didn't let the pig out. So one day I decide, you know what? I'm going to watch and see what she does. I put her in there. She doesn't know, you know, that I, I didn't get on the bus to go to school. So I'm up there. I'm going to see what's going on. And I just kind of watch from a distance until I see what happens. And I am not even joking, man. Charlotte gets up on this, this, this she's up on her hinds, and, and she gets her nose out there and flips the latch off, doop, and props down and comes right up to the porch. I'm like, holy moly. A sheep? No way. Dumb animal. Dumb. Pastor, are you saying we're dumb? I'm saying we're all dumb. I'm not saying you're dumb. I'm saying, look, what, what it is is that we are dumb or or we lack an understanding of the kingdom of God because we've been raised in this fallen world. We have this carnal nature that constantly pulls at us to be like the world. And we have need of a shepherd. Why? Because without him. We tend to end up in the wrong places. And the enemy tends to devour us. Wolves come in and want to just eat mutton. You know what I'm saying? Now, I've got to finish the story about Charlotte because I'm sure you're thinking, so what happened to the pig? So, you know, my stepdad that didn't want me to have that pig, I raised Charlotte. And, you know, when it's a pet pig, that pig gets fed well. It's not like just corn feed, you know. I mean, it's like, hey, here's the extra watermelon rinds. Here's all this extra stuff, right? And the pig just gets nice and fat. I come home from school one day, and Charlotte doesn't come running off the porch. I'm thinking, huh, I wonder what's going on. I go out to her pen. She's not in there. I go in and I say to my mom, I'm like, where's Charlotte? Oh, you have to talk to your stepdad about that. Huh. He gets home. I'm like, where's Charlotte at? Oh, well, she's baking now. What? I mean, you know, this moment is not a good moment, man. And all I know is they butchered Charlotte and put her in the freezer. Now, I get it, but it just ain't right. I'm telling you right now, do you think my mouth touched bacon, pork chops? I mean, I was a vegetarian for, you know, when pork was being made, I'm a vegetarian. Beef, I don't care, man. Bring it on. But when there's pork on the table, I'm not eating. Thank you very much, because that's my pet pig. And I cannot tell you what I had to work through when my brothers and sisters are in there. Man, this is really good, Derek, you know. <laughs> Tough time. But... You know, thanks be to God, I turned it over to my shepherd. And I have forgiven all of them. All right, I got to move along and get you guys out of here. All right, uh, so he's our shepherd. Say, the Lord is my shepherd. So next one, Jehovah Shammah. Ezekiel 48 and 35, meaning the Lord who is present. Uh, here's what Ezekiel says. All the way around shall be 18,000 cubits. And the name of the city from that day shall be, the Lord is there. Now here's the interesting thing. We have become the temple of God. God has chosen to take up his dwelling place in us. When you get saved and Christ comes to live on the inside of you, and you fill with the Holy Spirit, guess what? The Lord is there. The Lord is there. He'll never leave you and he will never forsake you. The Lord is there. Jehovah Rapha. Exodus 15, 26, meaning the Lord, our healer. If you diligently heed the voice of the Lord, your God, and do what is right in his sight, 
Give ear to his commandments and keep his statutes. I will put none of the diseases on you which I have brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. Jehovah Sidkenu. Jeremiah 23, 6 is our passage, and the meaning is the Lord our righteousness. In his days, Judah will be saved, and Israel will dwell safely. Now this is his name by which he will be called, the Lord our righteousness. <clears throat> Jehovah Jireh. Genesis 22, 13 through 14, meaning the Lord will provide. Then Abraham lifted his eyes and looked, and there behind him was a ram caught in the thicket by its horns. So Abraham uh, uh, went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. God provided for him. And if you remember, when, when Isaac asked Abraham, he says, here's the wood, you know, here's, here's the knife, here's everything we need for the sacrifice, but where's the sacrifice? Abraham, knowing he's taking his son up there to offer him, says what to Isaac? The Lord will provide. Poor little Isaac, when he got bound up and slapped on that wood, is thinking, oh, yeah, the Lord provided, all right, man. What am I doing here? But we know that he didn't lay his hand on him because God stayed his hand, knowing that Abraham would withhold nothing from him. What was being tested? Does Abraham have idolatry? The very thing that I've given you, now have you turned and exalted above me. God gave Abraham when he didn't have a son. And I'm talking in the hundreds. And are you thinking about, well, when I'm 100, I'd like to have a kid. Abraham had one. And when he did, can you imagine how dear that son was to him? Since he couldn't have, he and Sarah could not have children all those years. Can you imagine how dear that son was? But yet, even his son was not before God. There was no idolatry in his heart. God was first. He was put to the test. And because there was a man who had such faith in God that he would withhold nothing from God, God in turn said, because of your faith, all generations, the whole earth, will be saved through this act because I'm going to give my son a sacrifice for all mankind. You enjoying this? Uh, the next one, Jehovah Nisi, Exodus 17, 15, meaning the Lord our banner. And Moses built an altar and called its name, the Lord is my banner. Look, you can have no one, being, uh, no one better in your life to be your agent than God. You ever hear the scripture that says uh, that promotion doesn't come from man, but it comes from the Lord? It doesn't come from the north, the south, the east, and the west. It comes from the Lord. You can have no greater promoter. You can have nobody that's looking out for your behalf in all that you do in life than God. He's your banner. And you know, it talks about uh, his banner over you is what? Anybody? Love. It's love. So Jehovah Nisi. Jehovah Shalom. Somebody say what that is. Peace, Judges 6, 24, meaning the Lord is peace. So Gideon built an altar there to the Lord and called it the Lord is peace. To this day, it is still in Ophrah um, of the Abyssalites, Judges 6, 24. And, and here's the deal. What, what was, what was uh, Gideon dealing with? Anyone? Not the Philistines. What's the first thing he had? Look, the Philistines were a problem. But why was it that they were being overrun when God had declared blessing over the children of Israel? Why is Gideon and his tribe and everybody else being run over by the Philistines? Because his father set up totems. His father 
set up idol worship. And they put idols ahead of God. And so when, when Gideon's doing this, the Lord is, you know, that what he did is he went in secretly by night. His daddy, Gideon's dad, went through what I did with my pig. His dad had a nice fattened calf for sacrifice to the idols. Gideon sneaks in in the middle of the night because God charged him. You go in and tear those idols down. And Gideon's like, they will kill me. That's my dad, man. You know, yeah, but, you know, I'm over your dad. So you go do that because I'm calling you to do it. Tear them down. Gideon's like, guys, look, here's what we're going to do, man. When everybody's asleep, we'll go in there. <laughs> Gideon's not going by day. He's going by night. Stealth. And he goes in, he tears all those down. He takes his dad's fattened calf and sacrifices it unto the Lord. What does he do? He tears down idol worship and sets up worship to God. He gets first things first again. He gets priorities right again. What does he do? He becomes one with God so that he can go and win the victory. Hmm. Somebody say, Pastor, you're preaching good. All right. Um, so here we have uh, Jehovah Sabbath. And here's what it means. The meaning, the Lord is host. Uh, Isaiah 6, 1 through 3. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe, fi robe filled the temple. Above it stood seraphim. Uh, each one had six wings. Uh, with two, he covered his face. With the two, he covered his feet. And with two, he flew. And one cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Jehovah uh, um, Gumla, close to it. <laughs> the God of recompense. The meaning is the God of recompense. Jeremiah 51, 6. Flee from the midst of Babylon and every, uh, everyone save his life. Do not be cut off in her iniquity for this is a time of the Lord's vengeance. He shall recompense her. You know, there is a day. There is a day that we are going to meet where God's judgment will come upon this earth. It's impending. It will come. Now that everybody's cleared up that the Mayans really didn't get it right. It took a long time for that one. No man knows the day or the hour. That is in the hands of God Almighty alone. The reality is, is we're all moving to a day, though, of final judgment. And when that day comes, the only safe place is in Jesus. Everybody else, it says, will hide themselves and call for the mountains to fall down on them and kill them. Now you think about that, that that'll be a day that people would rather be crushed under rocks than face God. There's a reason for that, because there is a certain fiery indignation. The recompense of God is not something that you want to be on the receiving end of. You, under, you understand what I'm saying there? You don't want to be receiving judgment from God. Jesus said, if I be lifted high, if the Son of Man be lifted high, I'll draw all men unto myself go do a word study on that it says i'll draw all judgment unto myself he takes judgment upon himself on our behalf but the only way that we are freed from that judgment is to be in him and acknowledge what he's done <clears throat> so uh el elion uh the word el elion the most high god and the king of sodom went out to meet him in a valley of uh, sheva that is the king's valley after his return from the defeat of the uh, yeah and the kings who were with him uh, then Melchizedek king of Salem brought out bread and wine 
He said, uh, glare, bread and wine. He was the priest of God most high. And he blessed him and said, blessed be Abram of God most high, possessor of heaven and earth. And blessed be God most high who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And he gave him a tithe of all. So the priest, according to the order of Melchizedek, is Jesus. The Bible says you are a priest according to the order of Mel- forever, according to the order of Melchizedek about Jesus. He was the one that was there in the Old Testament meeting with Abram. See, he was Abram before he was called Abraham. And once again, his tithe was not based on law. His tithe to Melchizedek or to the Lord was based on what? Faith. It was based on faith. Let me say that the covenant we live is a covenant that is established in Abraham's faith. It's a covenant that's established in Jesus's work. That's why Abraham gets the title or gets the the honor of being called the father of our faith. The scriptures call him the father of our faith. He gets that uh, honor because of what he did. Uh, El Rohi, oh, excuse me, Roi, uh, Genesis 16, 13, meaning the strong one who sees. Do you know there's nothing hidden from God's eyes? I don't know about you, but right, right about now, it's kind of that feeling of, you know, yeah, I'm nothing. Nothing's hidden from his eyes. He sees all. And because he sees all, it's so important for us not to approach him thinking that we've pulled the wool over his eyes. Y'all get that? It's not like I'm going to, you know, snow God on. It's like, yeah, that's not happening. God's like, oh, okay. Your kids ever lie to you? I'm telling my kids, you know, we did this with our mom. You know, sometimes we're together, you know, the family's all together. We've been back for a holiday or whatever. And we get to talking about some of the stuff we did. And my mom's like, what? What? And it's like, oh, you know, and we were just, wait a minute, when did that happen? You know, and she's all freaking out. Well, my kids, you know, the other day, I can't remember what it was, we were talking, Danielle said something like, whoa, whoa, when did that happen? And she goes, oh, Dad, there's a lot of things you don't know. I'm like, really? <laughs> really? Come on in here, sit down. You got one chance to tell me everything I don't know right now. And if you don't tell me, and I find out, I don't know what I'm going to do. <laughs> Come on, parents, you know what I'm talking about? And then I think, this is what my mom feels like, you know? Sitting there like, and she, she's run out of the room before. We're talking about stuff that happened, and it was just like, you know, my brother and I threw rocks and busted, busted this one person's windows in their house. You know what I'm talking about? There's just something to a boy about breaking glass with rocks. And it's kind of like this old house, and we just thought, you know, nobody lives there or anything. I mean, it, my Uncle Gene lived in one of those homes, so I, I should have known because he was kind of a little more of a miser. You know, when he passed away, they found like, you know, something like 15 grand under his mattress. And you know what I'm talking about? Uh, gray house, paint's all peeled off, and just everything's rust and falling apart. And so it's one of those houses. And so, you know, we're just like hanging out, and we're thinking, you know, nobody lives here. You know, we're just tearing the place up. Well, we hear somebody talking about, did you hear about such and such's home? Somebody busted all the windows out of his house. <laughs> you know, he's passed away now, so I don't feel like, you know, when I get to heaven, I might have, I don't know how that's going to work. 
you know, I couldn't make it right because he's gone. But when, when I got saved, it's like, you know, you look back on those things. But I know this, man. You know, I look back on that, and it's like we bust all those windows out, and my mom's finding out all of a sudden, you know. And uh, all I know is we're sitting there talking one day, and it comes up. And my mom hears us talking. You busted all, oh, 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 oh. She's like doing that, going out of the room. My brother and I are like, but she knew the family. And so I guess when she came back and talked to us, she had talked to them. It's like, that's just horrible. I can't believe somebody would do that to your house. And it's dawning on her. Her sons did that to that house. And uh, I cannot imagine my mom's, you know, emotions at that moment. But uh, she had to leave the room. That's for sure. Here's the deal. While things can be hidden from our eyes, nothing, absolutely nothing is hidden from God's eyes. Uh, El Shaddai, Genesis 17.1, Psalms 91.1, meaning the God of the mountains or God Almighty. Uh, When Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am Almighty God, walk before me and be blameless. Uh, Psalms 91.1, he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Again, that when we come to that place, we are coming under his protection. If we're under the shadow of all, the Almighty, what the world could harm us? Nothing at all. Uh, Elo, uh, excuse me, El Olam, Isaiah 40.28-31, meaning the everlasting God. Have you not known, have you not heard the everlasting God The Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the weak and to those who have no might. He increases strength. Even the youth shall uh, shall faint and be weary and the young men shall utterly fall. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. I don't know anybody I've ever met that haven't had seasons where they've been weary, they've been tired. This is what the scripture declares. That when we acknowledge God for all that he is through Jesus Christ, that we can hope to have that kind of strength in our life and that we rise up from those places and we gain strength, not in and of ourselves, but we gain that strength through God. In closing, we can recognize this. The God has not left us without benefit. And there's a reason why the psalmist penned, forget not the Lord, give praise to the Lord and forget not all his benefits. There's an order there. Give praise to the Lord. God inhabits the praises of his people. His presence comes in our praise. And where God's presence is, no evil can dwell. Do you know that in God's presence, sickness can't dwell? There's touching his presence and then there's being in his presence. And where his presence is, no evil can reside. It has to go. It's like light in the room. It's like when the sun rises, it's like there's darkness, but when light comes, darkness goes. When the light of God, glory, an exchangeable word for glory, is light. And when the light of God comes, darkness goes. Evil goes. And all at what? In the name of Jesus. Because the glory of God, the unsearchable glory of God, is found in Christ. When I say unsearchable, look, you'll all your life, 
this life. You can pursue God, study his word, pray, seek after him, and you'll have only scratched the surface of all that God is. And when you understand that, and when you accept that, why would you ever stop pursuing him? The key for us to be one with God is to understand all that he is to us. I think when we get that, we have a revelation of all that God is to us. How many of you go to work? And you go to work and your boss says, hey, look, I'm not going to pay you. And you're like, yeah, cool, no problem. Anyone? Raise your hand if you're like, you know, I go to work, my boss doesn't want to pay me. I'm like, that's cool, man, I don't need a paycheck. Not one person in here, right? Here's the deal. All that God has provided for you is accessible through Christ. And it's so much more than anything your job will do for you. Anything that you can attain in this earth does not compare to what God has for you. So to pursue him, to understand who he is, is to come to that place of creating desire in you to be one with God. Because I know this. I got married. Let me say, I didn't want to be alone. I kind of wanted a woman in my life, and I wanted to be married. I wanted to have a family. So I got married because there is benefits, right? And then in the midst of those benefits, I found out, you know, you get married, and for the benefits, there's something else that comes with those benefits, and it's called responsibility. All God's benefits kind of sitting there waiting on us. We have one responsibility. Follow Jesus. Because you can't be one with God without following him. He is the one that will lead you to the Father. He's the one that will empower you to live for God and experience all the benefits that Jesus provided for you on the cross. Amen? Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for your word and God, I really just, I just appreciate the fact that you ensured that we could understand all that you are to us. Father, every time the children of Israel came to a place of a need, they would begin to seek you, and when they sought you, all of a sudden you would declare, look, I am Jehovah Jireh, the Lord that provides. You would give yourself a name so that they understood the provision that's in you. Father, all the religions of the world erect a God for their needs. Hinduism itself erects a God for every need they have. You're the one true God that provides for every need we have. And so, Lord, you simply gave yourself a name so that we would know all that you are. But, Father, in the New Testament, it's a better covenant for us. It's at one name, and that's Jesus. So, Father, as we pray today, I declare in the name of Jesus over this congregation that Jesus is their healer. I declare over this congregation that Jesus is their provider. I declare over this congregation that, Father, Jesus is their righteousness. I declare over this congregation that Jesus is their shepherd. I declare over this congregation that Jesus is their Lord. I declare over this congregation that he is the Almighty. I declare over this congregation he is the one that can create life in us. I declare over this congregation that he is the one that brings peace to us. I declare over this congregation, Father, that he is the one that delivers us. And I praise you, Lord, 
that you made a way and you prayed a prayer that we would be one with you. So, Father, I pray that we would indeed be one with Jesus so that we can be one with you and that together, Father, as a congregation, as members of the body of Christ, that we can be one so that, Lord, your glory is shown for all the earth to see. Those neighbors and those work colleagues see something different about us and we all understand that it's just Christ in us. In your mighty name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a great week.